everyone, Shirley here. I help my clients scale their businesses. And while I focus on business development and strategy, I know that back office operations must scale as well, especially accounting practices in the very complex, highly regulated federal marketplace. You will not succeed no matter how many contracts you win if you don't scale your accounting function properly. In fact, not having a well-run accounting function will prevent you from winning. So today we're talking about accounting issues that must be addressed by small growing GovCons and the successful industry practices that will help take your business to the next level, win more profitable contracts, and create market value. To help me address these matters, I reached out to Mike Kalnessy, a CFO advisor and the Vice President of Client Engagement at Cavu Advisors. Welcome, Mike. Thank you, Shirley. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. Please tell our audience a little about Cavu Advisors and what you do. Cavu Advisors is a financial consulting and accounting outsourcing firm specializing in government contracting. We are experienced GovCon accounting specialists with the expertise and knowledge to leverage your company's assets and meet business goals. We focus on providing quality, timely accounting while remaining government compliant and monitoring your business metrics. Cavu was founded by a team of business owners that have experience in starting, growing, and adding value to businesses. We bring this real-world experience to our clients. Our motto is extreme visibility, as we make information visible for effective decision-making. Our deep breadth of knowledge covers federal agencies, including civilian, defense, and the intelligence community. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with our audience today, Mike. Let's begin with the basics, bookkeeping. Many small GovCons perform bookkeeping internally or they hire a bookkeeping service. How do you know when it's time to hire the next level of service providers? You know, Shirley, when I hear the word bookkeeping with government contractors, I grimace a bit. I feel that in some owners' eyes, bookkeeping is simple transactional entry. However, there's so much more complexity and compliance issues with running a financial system for a government contractor that you should be looking at compliant accounting practices. It is much more than just transactional entry. If you have gotten beyond a startup phase, have more than five employees, and have more than one contract, you really should be considering an accounting service or accountant that knows government contracting. I can relate to that, Mike. Having started and grown several GovCon businesses myself, I had to learn the hard way, what I didn't know. And I can think of several of those lessons learned. One of them is job costing. Talk about job costing and its importance in certain types of government contracts. Well, Shirley, it's absolutely critical that government contractors perform proper segregation of costs and accumulate their costs by contract, not only for DCA compliance, but also just their own reporting. There are key decisions to be made when running a business by reviewing your project performance. Too often this is overlooked as companies get started, but it is critical to effectively managing your growth. Owners should review their project reporting and ask themselves, is this an acceptable gross margin on this project? How can we manage the resources or work share on this project to increase profitability? Those are things that can only be answered if you were doing proper job costing. I agree. Sometimes the concept of job costing scares business owners. But I would imagine that with the right software, it can be less scary. 
and let's talk about that. Let's talk about accounting software. When should we consider transitioning away from QuickBooks? I really think there are a few things that should prompt an owner to consider moving on from QuickBooks. How many employees do you have? If you're approaching 20 to 30 employees, you should think about it. It is a heavier lift to convert to a new system when you're over 100 employees and the cost for implementation go up. If you have a cost plus 60 contract that requires calculation of those costs to generate an invoice and also report on that project using both target and actual rates, you should be considering a change. If you are thinking about selling several years down the road and want to get serious about your project performance and reporting, an upgrade from QuickBooks is a worthwhile investment. Let's explore a few of these issues that you just mentioned, Mike. To even qualify for a cost plus fixed fee award, don't you have to have an approved accounting system? And if so, what does that entail? Surely that is correct, but believe it or not, I've seen companies that were awarded a cost plus fixed fee contract that were not audited until after they were performing on the contract, sometimes for up to a year. This is really concerning because if you're running QuickBooks for cost plus fixed fee contracts, there's a lot of manual reporting and tracking that needs to be done outside of the system for projects and indirect rates. Companies who are performing on cost plus six feet contracts who haven't had a DCA audit yet or are thinking about bidding need to review the SF-1408 criteria from DCAA to see the areas of concern. So what you're saying is that if your system is not set up properly and you are audited later, you could have to recreate all of your transactions up to that point and to be open to penalties? It is more likely that DCA will try to have you true things up with your incurred cost submission. A lot of what-ifs from the scenario we just discussed will depend on what type of audit is being performed. At the end of the day, if DCA senses there are issues, they're going to communicate that with your contracting officer, and they will have the ultimate decision of what will be required of the contractor. I have, in some instances in my career, seen DCA go back and perform incurred cost audits as far back as eight or nine years. Anything found during those reviews to be miscategorized will be part of an adjustment request to your rate. If you're not keeping a close eye on indirect rate management, this could be problematic, and you could have significant exposure depending on the volume of cost plus to exceed work you have. Eight or nine years. Oh, my gosh, that makes my skin crawl. So once you get a cost plus fixed fee contract, you then have to submit annual reports to the government, right? Correct. There are FAR clauses that trigger that requirement, and companies need to be prepared to have an annual provisional billing rate package, as well as an incurred cost submission completed. Too often I see that they are not prepared for this, and once the government asks at the deadline, they are left to scramble and complete a lot of work to get these packages submitted. Which can be very time-consuming and expensive, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. Incurred cost submissions require a lot of data to be pulled from the accounting system and presented in various schedules inside of a large workbook. If you have good records, this process can be easier, but if you've never done it before and have to do multiple years, it can certainly be more time-consuming. Provisional billing rate packages also require you to have a substantial indirect rate budget built out. You'd be surprised how many companies I've spoken to that have to quickly build out a budget to substantiate rates they use on a proposal rather than starting each Q4 with a budgeting process for the next year so that they are ready to provide this backup for any proposal they are working as part of a provisional billing rate package to DCAA. 
Like I teach my clients how to instill discipline in their business development practices. It includes checklists, decision matrices, pipeline meeting agendas, workflow, and documenting their thinking and processes in a CRM, a customer relationship management system. What role does documenting accounting practices and policies play in ensuring a well-run accounting department? Policies and procedures are critical for a well-run accounting department, surely. Not only do they establish internal controls, which are necessary for financial and cash management, but they are required for DCA compliance. I can't tell you how many contractors tell me once they upgrade their accounting system software, they will be compliant. DCA compliance is the combination of that software with your policies, procedures, and practices. It's an entire ecosystem. So for me, accounting policies and procedures are a large part of a compliant accounting system that contractors should be running. So expound upon that, Mike. What constitutes a well-documented accounting system? A well-documented accounting system should include robust policies and procedures that speak specifically to all facets of your accounting and financial management. They should detail what duties company managers and financial personnel are responsible for in the various parts of the accounting system. It should describe the way costs are accumulated in your system, proper cash and cost control, segregation of costs. It should document exactly how processes work within your system as well. The SF-1408 is really the framework for what should be included in your well-documented accounting policy. Contractors should also be mindful of documenting as things are done. You don't want to have procedures documented to check a box, if you will, that you are not actually completing. That will get you caught during an audit. So you can't have policies and procedures and not actually follow them daily. And why is it important to implement proper procedures in addition to being compliant in preparation for an audit? It really completes the ecosystem. Like I mentioned earlier, it's not just software. To obtain an approved accounting system, it's a combination of your policies, procedures, processes, and software. All of these things lend themselves to having accurate records within your accounting system. This also helps with executive decision-making when you can be confident in the data outputs of your accounting system. You'd be surprised how many calls I've received where executives are looking for a change in their accounting support and state. I don't know if I can trust the numbers. Setting up compliant processes, policies, and procedures with a strong accounting software will help facilitate accurate records and reporting outputs that you can make effective decisions based upon. I love this conversation, Mike, because there are so many parallels in what each of us do for our clients. I also advise small GovCons on a variety of business development management issues, including forecasting. There are unique forecasting elements in the federal marketplace because things like PWIN and WorkShare must be considered. What is your philosophy about forecasting? I really believe that contractors need to have a bottom-up approach to forecasting. Planning from their employee labor assumptions up is critical to having a strong and accurate forecast. Too often, executives and senior management will have pipeline inputs that consider revenue, but they haven't considered the direct costs associated with those wins. I also believe that you need to incorporate PWIN into considerations for what opportunities to add to your forecast. I encourage my clients to be more conservative and include opportunities that are producing task orders or billable work 
with an 80% P win or higher. You can always develop different forecasts with more upside to include opportunities with lower P win. But if you develop your target indirect rates for the year using a lot of low confidence wins, you could be shooting yourself in the foot. Oh, I agree. And most people don't really know how to calculate P win. It's usually a wild guess. And if the P1 is being calculated by the business development team, it's usually way too optimistic. But there are decision matrices and other tools that help make these estimates more realistic. We need to take a break. I'm talking to Mike Kalmacy, CFO Advisor and Vice President of Client Engagement at Cavu Advisors on accounting practices that allow your company to scale in the federal marketplace. When we come back, we'll talk more about planning and budgeting for growth. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Shirley Collier, President and Founder of Scale to Market, is your host for this Growth Masters Federal presentation. Scale to Market helps businesses think, plan, collaborate, and build market value by developing and executing customized data-driven business development playbooks, building efficient information systems, and creating high-performing BD teams. Utilizing the proprietary Davey Business Development Growth Framework, Scale to Market partners with business owners and executives to increase their company's value by achieving profitable and sustainable growth in the federal marketplace. Email Shirley at scollier at scaletomarket.com to learn more about the Davy Growth Framework and how it can be instrumental in helping grow your federal contracting business. Back now to Shirley's conversation with Mike Kalnesey, CFO Advisor and VP of Client Engagement at Cavu Advisors, on how proper accounting practices are key to enabling your company to scale in the federal marketplace. Welcome back. Before the break, we were talking about forecasting. Now let's talk about planning and budgeting for growth. Mike, tell me about other executive reports that are available for C-suite executives in small govcons. Surely, some of the key reports we look at with clients are an income statement trend with forecasts, balance sheet trend with forecasts, indirect rate forecasts, and accrual to cash conversion for cash basis taxpayers. And while those reports may seem simple or out of the box, they are actually far from it. Trending reports are available in most accounting systems, but they do not typically include a dynamic go-forward forecast. We work with clients on this so they can do what-if scenario planning and see quickly where they are headed beyond their current data. Executives also really need to key in on a balance sheet forecast, which is often neglected. It is so critical to forecast out their cash needs, financial ratios, and other metrics. And finally, the indirect rate forecast is critical, adding in assumptions for what your outlook is so you can see the rate impact and how you can leverage that information for future bidding. I love it. I find that many small GovCons do not measure return on investment, especially return on investment of their business development efforts. It's almost as if they really don't want to know. But I use the balance scorecard methodology and encourage my clients to measure such things as compounded annual growth rate of revenue and profits per customer, taking into consideration direct and indirect costs, their recompete rate, P-win, capture rate, new versus repeat revenue, et cetera. Are these factors you also take into consideration, Mike? 
Absolutely, Shirley. And I think those are important areas for owners to focus on as they measure ROI. In the same vein of this discussion, I find some owners who look at growth are so focused on top-line revenue that they ignore the gross margin and other indicators of maybe a less-than-ideal opportunity to go after. We have had several clients that we've worked with where we have shown how a smaller piece of business at higher margins is more valuable to their business than a larger revenue opportunity with low margin or a low-price technically acceptable opportunity, also known as LPTA. I also think these things need to be factored in when considering any sort of a comp plan for business development professionals. Oh, we could do a whole podcast episode on this topic, Mike. Evaluating and ensuring profitability before bidding on opportunities is so important for the reasons you just mentioned, but also for strategic positioning of the company in the market, the psychological impact on employees, and the return on effort by company executives. Let's talk about budgeting in the context of growth. I put together growth plans for my clients and always address execution of these plans. Who is going to implement this fabulous plan that we've created together? How do we fund growth? How do you address this with your clients? When I speak with my clients, a lot of their budgeting that factors in growth, I try to add a dose of realism into the conversation. You can certainly have a budget with upside to show possibilities, but you need to be realistic in your growth objectives and whether they can be achieved. A lot of small companies, this is on the owner to get out there and focus on the growth, right? Many are searching for that lightning in a bottle business development solution that's going to lead them to the next level. I really try to encourage clients to work with professionals such as yourself, Shirley, to set up a true game plan. I always ask them who is responsible for executing on the plan, as you mentioned, and how are you holding them accountable? While business development doesn't happen overnight, you certainly have to have a solid playbook in place so that you can strategize forward. And while companies should be realistic with their forecasting, they also should consider the investments they want to or need to make and how that impacts their outlook. We work with clients all the time to look at what-if scenarios and show them the impact of new business and what could be possible as well. Some owners also need the input on what they need to invest in, things such as accounting, recruiting, software, etc., when they reach certain growth milestones. It's important to always be looking at what investments can be made to scale growth as well. I agree 100%. I sometimes see companies that project growth based upon their desire to grow, not actual market facts, figures, investments, and action plans. I'm glad that you help small GovCons with understanding the financial implications of making growth happen. Now, Mike, you also mentioned earlier that if you plan to sell one day, you will want to have a more sophisticated accounting system. Now, why is that necessary? A lot of it is business maturity and rolls into our prior discussion on proper project reporting. When a business goes to sell, they want to have the information visible at their fingertips and ready to provide. Oftentimes, we see the QuickBooks data can become messy because it doesn't have the necessary guardrails for government contractors. A more sophisticated system lends itself to encouraging more mature processes and reporting so that a business owner can work through the sale process smoother. I sometimes see small businesses who desire to sell one day purposefully 
underinvesting in their operations, including accounting, in a desire to boost their EBITDA, but it actually hurts them because they don't have the management information they need to make informed decisions, and they are perceived as a company that is not well run. Have you seen this? Absolutely. We've run into this. But I think we are slowly seeing more business owners open to the idea of outsourcing functions such as accounting and investing in their infrastructure. But to your point, it is critical to have reporting ready and at your fingertips for the day that you do decide to sell. Having your financial back office in order is critical before you step into this process. And any investment banker will tell you that. I always find that business owners who admit that what they don't know or do well and bring in the experts to support those functions fare the best in terms of growing and one day reaching their goals. And I have seen companies pay a premium for other companies that have well-run back offices. Can you give us an example of a small GovCon that you have had to rescue because their accounting system and practices got them into trouble? Yeah, surely I can. I, I had a company that had not done a great job of keeping up with their monthly financial closing, and future visibility was non-existent. They were making decisions based off of their bank account balance and not the performance of the contracts and the company as a whole. We were able to work with them to get their financial reporting up to date and then forecast out beyond that so that they could see where they had project performance issues and address them to achieve maximum profitability on a go-forward basis. They were able to focus time on managing their indirect rates as a result of our collaboration, which was a huge win for their bidding process. Awesome. Lessons learned. One of the greatest challenges I see my clients struggle with is staffing the business development function in their companies. Is that a challenge in accounting as well? Absolutely, Shirley. Unfortunately, we are seeing less college grads enter the accounting field and couple that with the fact that accounting for government contractors is such a unique focus that requires additional skill sets. We are seeing more companies move to an outsourcing model with a provider such as ourselves. It allows the business owner to focus on running their company and have peace of mind that someone with expertise is running their financial system. Awesome. Many CEOs of small GovCons are so busy, they frequently wait until something breaks and happens negatively before they act. They've had turnover, are being audited, or have unreliable data, and can't make good executive decisions. What is your advice about when these issues should be addressed? I think CEOs are best to take a step back and look at the overall return on investment of a strategic relationship with a firm such as ours. You don't pay fringe benefits when you're using an outsourcing model. We can scale with you as you grow, and we have access to a variety of resources with different backgrounds to provide tailored support to clients. Too often, there's sticker shock on the monthly cost of accounting, but really, when you think about the fact that you're not paying fringe benefits or other overhead costs to an internal resource and the cost of negative events, like you mentioned, it's a no-brainer. You have to think beyond just the amount getting paid from your bank account each month and look at the return on investment and the value of not having something negative occur. Accounting expertise for government contractors is a value-add service, not a commodity. I want to summarize what we've been discussing today. Proper, accurate accounting can be a platform for growing your GovCon business. 
Rather than thinking of accounting systems and practices as a cost that needs to be minimized, think of them as strategic tools that can give you a competitive advantage. Good accounting practices are many times a requirement to even bid on a cost plus fixed fee contract, but they can also give you accurate, detailed information to include in those bids so you can win and make a profit. And of course, because federal procurement is highly regulated, you have to remain compliant, produce reports, and respond to audits. But beyond that, good financial management systems provide data for executive decision-making about how and where you're making money, or not, and inform strategic planning and future business development efforts. It can also add market value to your company when and if you decide to sell one day. Mike, thank you so much for sharing your insights with our audience today. Thank you so much, Shirley. It's been a pleasure. Well, it's been a pleasure for us, too. Folks, if you would like to get in touch with Mike, he can be reached at mkalnesy at Cavu Advisors, and his last name is spelled K-A-L-N-A-S-Y. Or you can reach out to us here at Skelta Market, and we'll make sure you're connected. This is Shirley Collier, president of Skelta Market and host of the Growth Masters Federal Podcast, signing off for now. As we close, I want to thank you for joining us today and encourage you to connect with me on LinkedIn and visit our website, that's skeletomarket.com, with the number two in the middle, where you will find our library of podcasts, webcasts, white papers, my blog, and other links and resources. While there, please leave us a comment or suggestion so we can stay focused on what's important to you. We'll see you next time.